On the line today, Dr. Lynn Fenton, who, along with Carrie Drobin, is the author of Aurora, uh, a book about, well, uh, let's talk about mass shooting. Unfortunately, this was the one in 2012. Uh, Aurora, of course, is the theater the uh, near, near Denver, uh, where uh, James Holmes uh, killed a dozen people, injured 70, I think that's the number. And one of the people involved very directly is Dr. Fenton with us today. You were, um, you were, you were Holmes's psychiatrist, correct, Lynn? Correct. I, I saw him for a few months leading up to the shooting. I last saw him about five, six weeks before the shooting. And, you know, your book, of course, the book is Aurora, uh, details, you know, your discussions with him, your, 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 I should say your uh, sessions with him. Uh, and this was a very uh, strange person. I mean, obviously, we, we can't get into all the psychiatric, uh, and you get into a lot of that in the book. But this man had a lot of problems. Would it be safe to say? <laughs> He's, he, he was very odd. He was um, kind of beyond just a very smart guy who was kind of nerdy he was he was quite awkward and had um just sort of it gave me from the first day that i met him a terrible gut feeling that he was going to do something bad right and we should say just for you know unfortunately in the intervening 10 years where mass shooting is and we can get into this a little bit with you lynn uh yeah. has become a national uh tragedy or tragedies um but this this guy holmes he was no you know you're talking about the university of colorado medical school uh special i mean i think i saw that he was accepted into the u of i and all kinds of other schools um this this guy uh, had the grades uh apparently did well although i think it said his his essays were a little bizarre but uh otherwise he he was you know, a student, right? That's right. Very smart guy admitted into our prestigious PhD program in neuroscience at the University of Colorado. Yeah, which we're only talking about what a handful of people going in each year. That's probably. right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's very selective. And how did he come to you? How did you get to uh, initially, you know, kind of he turns up on, on in your office? Yeah, he well, he had a lot of anxiety and he was so nervous, apparently, during his lab presentations in the Ph.D. program that one of his supervisors suggested that he come into student mental health um, to see if we could help him. And at that time, I was the, the medical director of the student mental health service. So that's how he ended up coming into me. But he also just had this almost offhanded statement, um, I have thoughts of killing people. And of course, that's, and, and you know, as a second, and Lynn, tell us, what, what was your experience prior to that or up to that point? How long had you been uh, in that position or, or uh, treating people? Mm -hmm. So I had been a doctor for over 20 years this right. 
Psychiatry is actually my second specialty. Uh, my first was physical medicine and rehab. So I'd worked with patients for ages. I'd been the head of student mental health for, I think, a, probably about three years at that point um, and seen plenty of nervous people, psychotic people, you know, kind of the, the whole range of, of psychiatric illness. But, but, and of course, this is all hindsight now. I wish that it were, were not, but Holmes struck you as very, very unusual, I think, yes. from, from, the, from the onset. That's right. Particularly odd, not just your, your average nervous, anxious grad student or, or awkward, nerdy, smart person. Um, yeah, he, he moved kind of robotically. He had a strange sort of eye contact. He'd sort of stare around the room and then stare at me for a bit. Um, and in talking to him, it was almost as if he didn't want to talk, even though he was there of his own accord. He'd always give me a couple word answers. So it was really hard to try to get information out of him. We're talking with Dr. Lynn Fenton, the psychiatrist. Uh, who uh, wrote, has written the book with Carrie Drobin, uh, Aurora, about the incident of uh, 20, 2012. And, you know, where he goes into a theater and, and, of course, it's all detailed in the book. And and was it difficult for you going through this and, and putting all this together? Because obviously, and we're going to get to a point, you know, after the incident that, that affected you directly. But was it was it a catharsis or how do you look at this book? for you? Oh, it was, it, yeah, a little bit of catharsis, mostly very painful because in detail, you know, we had to go over right. everything that happened and how it affected me. Um, but but the reason, and, and it, for a long time, I didn't want to speak about this after sure. Holmes' trial, but finally, I decided that this case was really unique and deserved some public attention because we have amassed so much information in this case that potentially could help us to prevent other ones. Right. And of course, when you say other ones, we're talking about, you know, a situation now where it's it's a national discussion, uh, given right. the, the frequency. And, and Lynn, do you have a thought on that? Is this is is this a rampant mania that's going around with the mass shooting? Obviously, you've You've experienced this so at close hand, but where do you, where, how do you look at what's going on around the world, but certainly in this country mm -hmm. with mass shootings? Yeah, there, there does seem to be, or there is an acceleration in the frequency of these. Um, and there, I, I think a few things going on. Um, and one is um, this sort of threshold effect which is where a previously unthinkable event becomes possible once somebody does it. So the more mass shootings that occur, then the easier it is for the next um, disaffected, usually young male, to decide that this is an option to shoot up a place. Um, so that's part of it. And then also I've been learning that there's um, a, this very vile um, dark web uh, sort of subculture that actually promotes violence 
like mm. this. And uh, some of these shooter, shooters, I don't think Holmes was involved in, in this, but some of them um, are and are actually being encouraged to commit violent acts. I'm talking with Lynn, Dr. Lynn Fenton uh, about uh, mass shootings and her new book is Aurora. You know, and we should say now, because this is part of your story, Lynn, you, you, you became identified as somebody who had been treating Holmes, and then all of a sudden you become a target at the time after yeah. the shootings. Uh, I, I think, are you the only one that's ever been identified, uh, you know, in, in these cases? Yeah. Because we, we don't really hear that about somebody may have had care or, or somebody was trying to help them. And right. all of a sudden, though, you became the target. That's right. Yeah, it's very unusual for any of these mass shooters to have had any kind of treatment psychiatric treatment beforehand. And then, um, of course, a lot of the shooters are dead at the end of the event. Right. Um, yeah. And so it's it's quite rare to have a one who's alive, who then goes to trial, where we find out that they had some treatment beforehand, like in the Holmes case. Now, normally, those the the names of any of those treaters would never be released. Right. But this was an accident. So there was a court filing that had my name on it because Holmes had sent me this uh, sort of manifesto notebook shortly before the shooting, um, not intending to actually get to me before the shooting, but to sort of explain himself, I suppose, afterwards. So in this court document, they said something like, you know, Holmes sent his psychiatrist, Dr. Lynn Fenton, you know, the notebook. So that um, was put into the public record where online anybody can access that. that. So, of course, instantly, you know, the media. Um, what happened that. as a result, you you got death threats. You were you were yeah. I know you had to wear what body armor at some point or you yeah. were being told to. Uh, right. right. And then how about your job? Well, so I decided after um, many weeks of thinking about it that I needed to resign as mm -hmm. the head of student mental health, even though our, our department head was saying, no, no, you know, he didn't think that was necessary. Um, but I just saw too many complications. A lot of the other grad students that I treated had actually known homes. They had some classes, neuroscience mm -hmm. classes with him, and there was just it was all confusing and so mm -hmm. i stepped down from that position but but continued to work at the university and actually i, I still work there oh good um, that's yeah. good yeah and you know one of the things that comes out of this uh lynn is you know we're facing this national debate i guess about guns about mental health and and you you're involved with obviously the, the you know the mental health side of it that alone, because this has been put up, I know, as a, as a big strong point for eliminating or, or minimizing a problem, but that alone doesn't solve the problem. Is that right? In terms of focusing only on mental health? That's right. So no doubt we need more mental health workers. We need even more access to mental health. And that will help with the subset of gun violence that is suicide. But I'm afraid it's not going to make any kind of a dent in these mass shootings because mass shooters are not the type of people 
who think there is anything wrong with them that can be helped by being, uh, you know, by psychiatry or therapy. They tend to blame their problems on everybody else, the rest of the world, which is one of the ways that they can um, be able to even commit these mass shootings. So, um, and Holmes's case is a good example of somebody who had easy access to mental health care. It was free, you know, it was right right there on the campus. Um, I saw him six times over several months. And at the end, when he was dropping out of the program, I actually offered to keep seeing him for free, even though he was going to lose his insurance. He declined that. But in, in this case, and in most others, more mental health care or easier access is just not going to make a difference. And you had uh, easy access to mental health. He also had easy access to guns. We, uh, you know, yes. your book points out he buys this, he buys that. Um, and that's, that's a known story. I mean, that's not breaking news for anybody. One of the things you bring up, I think, and, and maybe others are, are pushing this now or, or need to address this, is raising the age uh, of guns from, from 18 to 21. You think that would be very important? I do. And this makes sense based on what we know about brain development. So our brains don't finish developing until uh, the... Sorry? Can you still hear me? Yeah, I, I think it's just freezing up a little bit. Why don't you rephrase oh. that, Lynn, if you would, oh. about brain development. Okay. Okay. So yeah. this makes sense from what we know about brain development. Our brains do not finish developing until our late 20s. Hmm. So that means that a lot of folks, especially men in their late teens and early 20s have a big mismatch between aggression, impulsivity, and the ability for the brain to control itself. So limiting lethal access to um, 21 and under, or even under 25, I think, could make a big dent in these mass shootings. As as you're speaking, I'm thinking, wow, that's that's an interesting fact for the military, because I'm thinking yes. of the folks that, you know, go in. But that's another story. <laughs> we'll, yes. we'll stay yes. with one at a yes. time here. We're okay. talking with Dr. Lynn Fenton about uh, Aurora, the, her, her experience. Uh, Lynn, it, it took you a while probably uh, to, to get through all this because obviously, the well, one of the things I was going to bring up was the the intervening tragedies that have occurred since Aurora, since the shooting in in that theater, um, Sandy Hook just being one. But I'm thinking of the victims that got harassed by public, as you got harassed. Um, there's a tendency here for the the public to sort of take on this sort of uh, uh, I don't I don't want to say lynch mob mentality, but but this like idea that they know best or something like that. I guess that's mm-hmm. that's something we've seen uh, now repeatedly. Mm-hmm. And it uh, it's really only natural after a terrible tragedy like one of these shootings for people to sort of seek out a, a reason. Why did this happen? Well, if we only had done this differently, it wouldn't happen. So a, a psychiatrist or a therapist who 
has seen one of these shooters beforehand, like myself, would be um, a likely target. Oh, what? He was seen by a psychiatrist? Well, why didn't she just lock him up? She right. must have yeah. dropped the ball. Yeah. <laughs> she, mm-hmm. Yeah, as if, as if that was even humanly possible. Well, Lynn, yeah. um, the, the book is Aurora. It's about uh, one of our, unfortunately, one of our many tragic periods in this country with a mass shooting. Uh, you have, uh, are you, are you kind of locked in on this subject now or what's, what's your kind of focus at present? Um, well, I, I still work at the university, which, um, most of my time is actually seeing patients and, mm-hmm. um, I, I work remotely since we have, um, telepsychiatry now and, um, a, a little bit of teaching mixed in there, but mostly direct patient care. Very good. Well, let me wish you the best. We thank, thank you for your, your, your knowledge on this subject, because Lord knows we need all the help we can get as, yeah. as we proceed to, yes. in, our, in our world with all our guns and all our violence. But Dr. Lynn Fenton is the, is the author, along with Carrie Drobin, of Aurora. Thank you so much, Lynn. We take, thank we take you care. For, <laughs> yes, you too. Thank you for having me.